Welcome to Breaking Good, the officially unofficial podcast for Breaking Bad on AMC. I'm Jim. And I'm Aaron. And we're back for kind of an abbreviated episode with uh, a couple of interviews this week. We are not going to do the feedback yet. We're actually going to save that for a cast later on in the week. Uh, give you guys a, a heap and helping of Breaking Bad here as the series goes out. It's not really abbreviated, except for it's not going to be our standard two-hour behemoth. It's going to be probably a solid hour tonight and then at least another hour. Yeah. We just had so much feedback <laughs> that with our Walking Dead preview show and the interviews we did tonight that we couldn't get it all compiled and uh, get it out in time. So we're going to split her up. Uh, we got uh, some general kind of, uh, you know, like I said, we got two interviews talking about uh, reminiscing about Breaking Bad. We're going to do a little bit of reminiscing ourselves and some speculation on what we think would happen next to our protagonists. Yeah, an interview solving a mystery of Breaking Bad, I guess, that has been kind of ruminating behind the scenes here. This magical electromotive site that we had talked about back in season four. Uh we we actually got an interview with Barry Goodman, doctor. Who, yeah, Doctor Barry, Barry Goodman, Goodman, who runs the site. So we're going to talk to him later in the show. So if you're interested in that, finding out what's up with that whole site, uh, is it official? Is it not? We've got the scoop later on in the show, and we'll also be talking to Jason Shankle of the Nattercast mm-hmm. uh, about the uh, our take of the dream theory that was first <laughs> oh. put about uh, uh, by mm-hmm. uh, Emily Nussbaum. And was uh, the, who who took the standard? I keep uh, Norm McDonald on yeah. Twitter took up the standard and started throwing evidence. Uh, we don't think much of it. We do talk about that, uh, and we also talked about did Villigan pull his punch too much yeah. on reflection on the final episode. So that's coming up later in the epi- uh, later on. Uh, two things I want to talk about with you, Jim. Okay, is number one, where do we leave our characters? Uh, people wanted to hear us talk about that, and second. People okay. ask, Breaking Bad was the most awesome thing ever. Uh, it's never going to be replaced in my life, but what would you recommend <laughs> for... I'd recommend killing yourself then. <laughs> <laughs> for what would you recommend to try to fill that void? So we'll have oh. some recommendations coming up. Maybe you can think of some while we're, we're talking about this other thing. Okay. But let's start off. First and foremost, after the pilot, where do you see Jesse Pinkman going? Have you thought about this any anymore? Yeah, yeah. So I'm still sticking with Alaska. Do you I think like he, it. Do you think he makes it to Alaska? I think he makes it to Alaska. Yeah, I don't think he has Brock with him, but I well, think he no, makes it to yeah. Alaska. I mean, what's he going to do? Show up to the social services and like say, uh, "Yo, bitch, <laughs> give me my, give me my not really son Brock, whose mother I'm yeah. indirectly responsible for the murder of." Yeah, and who I have no documentation to prove I even know him. <laughs> yeah, no thanks. Not going to happen. So he's in Alaska by himself. Um, what do you think he does? I mean, do you think cooks crystal, yo? No. No. Of course not. Do you think he recovers from his experiences? Do you think he oh. is able to settle down with like, you know, I like a younger so. version of Sarah Palin maybe? <laughs> he meets her uh, when she's out killing some moose. <laughs> uh I like to think that he does. I like to think Jesse lives happily ever after uh, with, you know, just a little bit of scarring, emotional scarring from his uh, experiences. Man, I don't know that you ever recover from that. I feel like you just cope. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I I don't know. Emotional scarring is probably a (laughs) a mild way to put that. Um, Let's talk a little bit about Saul. 
Okay, let's. Does he make it to Nebraska? Does he make it to Omaha? Does he run in a Cinnabon shop? Yeah, I feel like Saul got away uh, when he used a disappearer because we never saw from, saw him again, right? Yeah. So without an update on him, I feel like he is at Cinnabon. Here's the thing. I feel like he's going to take his new uh, name and Social Security account and all that stuff, and he's going to re-enroll in the American Samoan uh, Legal <laughs> Institute <laughs> Uh, through, the remote, through the remote learning uh, uh, arm, uh, and he's going to become an, another lawyer. <laughs> okay. I mean, he might. It's what he knows, man. Yeah. I fe- is he going to have his face on billboards again? The other is thing that- I could see him doing is um, like mega church minister. You know, going, yeah. get, get, getting, getting some bullshit theology degree. I mean, can, can you not just see Saul Goodman... <laughs> As a sure. as a pastor at like a five thousand person mega church in Nebraska, and he's just you know he's skimming money off the top. Totally, he's he's you know selling prayer healings and and all kinds of good stuff. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, what do you think about Skyler? Um, Skyler's got a tough road to hoe ahead of her. She does, but she's going to, uh, unbeknownst to her, she's going to have a big cash infusion. Well, Walt Jr. gets that cash okay, infusion. Okay, let's talk. I'm let's, sure let's, he let's put, will share it. Let's put a pin in Skyler and talk about Flynn. Does okay. Flynn take the money? Does he suspect man. that this is a, a play from his old man? I don't think so, because he knows that um, Gretchen and Elliot have already set up this massive donation to a charity. So the idea that they would also want to provide for him is not a huge stretch, in my opinion. Also, Walt tried to sell the lie best he could to his mother. Now, yes. do you think that? Do you, I mean, what do you think Flynn and Skyler's relationship is like ten months from now? That's tough to say because I'm not sure how much he knows about his mom's involvement in the whole thing. I mean, it has been played like she doesn't know anything, and yet. I can't help but think that he's going to put the dots together from when they were having trouble and realize his mom knew all about this. Yeah, and he tried it. I mean, you know, she tried to get them away. And yeah, I, I, yeah, I don't know that a teenager can put all that in context, but I do know that, hmm. you know, I had some shitty parental experiences. And the older you get, the more you realize that, you know, your parents are just people. And they're not good or bad. They just kind of in they're just living their life, trying to do the best they fucking know how to do. And I feel like that maybe not ten months down the line, but ten years down the line, they're going to be just fine. That he's going to, you know, that's that's going to Holly's going to be twelve years old, and he's going to be taking care of all them. Uh, He's going to be. I mean, what do you see him doing career wise? I mean, he doesn't have to work. He can go to any college he wants to. Yeah, true. Um, I don't know. There's never really any information given about his interests other than breakfast. Breakfast. Yeah, he's a chef. <laughs> he's a yeah. He goes on Gordon Ramsay and he gives us inspired. You know, he, he gives us inspired <laughs> performance where you know, Gordon's Hell's in his face kitchen. screaming and <laughs> and uh, he's stammering all over the place. And a single tear runs down his cheek as he flips an omelet. <laughs> <laughs> But he's got pluck and he's got grit and he's okay. he, he won't he won't back down and that's eventually going to win over Gordon. Yeah, and even and though he'll, he'll give be, him an apprenticeship and even of though his he'll be eliminated in like the quarter you know in the like you know three weeks before the finale, Gordon's going to like give him some speech 
like about how he's he's one of the finest chefs he's ever seen, and he wants him to work at his restaurant in oh, London. Spinoff time, Flynn's Kitchen, <laughs> breaking eggs, <laughs> Terrible. making breakfast. That's gonna be the spinoff. I yeah, like with it. the M A in a box. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. Um, okay, we talked about Skylar and Marie kind of as a package. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm sorry, Skylar and Flynn. Yeah. Let's talk about Marie. Man, she got it real rough. I mean, so... There's not enough Hank, spoons you can steal to fill the hole in her... Very true. The void in her life now. Yeah, she already wasn't totally uh, well-adjusted, and now she's got the death of her husband. And um, do you think she still blames Walt for what happened? Of that, course That she would does. be my major question. Why wouldn't she? Uh, because I feel like Skylar understood that Walt did not kill him um, and that maybe Walt was very remorseful about him dying. Um, So maybe she tries to explain that to Marie a little bit, but yeah, you're probably right. She doesn't, Marie is not going to say, Oh, well, okay, it's fine. You know, I think Marie is going to become either an anti-hero along the lines of the Punisher or Lobo. Yeah, yeah. Or a supervillain. The like Purple Mr. Like Mr. Hey, Mr. Glass from Unbreakable. Samuel L. Jackson <laughs> loved Purple. Uh-huh. Loved doing bad things. Yep. She are, she loves, She's a kleptomaniac. She's going to patrol the streets of the, uh, Albuquerque uh, wreaking terrible vengeance on anyone peddling meth in her town. Could be. She's going to get watch that fat show. DEA settlement money, um, but then but then they're going to uncover that confession from Walt, mm-hmm. and it's going to put her and her husband under this cloud of suspicion. They're going to impound all of her money, and that is when she snaps and goes full-on Batman slash Lex Luthor, whichever way you want it to go. Both. A Both. mix of Batman and Lex Luthor. I think that's, that's, <laughs> that's her best case scenario, right? How else could how could it go any other way? I don't see really any other options. Yeah. Uh, do we want to? Get, how about Gretchen and Elliot? Do uh, they they look over they their shoulder through. for the rest of their life. They the, do go through with it. Yes. So you think that the Walt sufficiently scared them? Oh yeah. That they're never going to think. You know what? If he's just full of shit. No, I. So they only have ten months before they have to do this, right? Right. So I think they're going to go ahead and go through with it. Ten months is enough time to look over your shoulder and realize that they don't want to look over their shoulder for the rest of their life. So they're going to go ahead and donate it. No way that Flynn follows in his father's footsteps and and actually joins, you know, gets a scholarship in chemistry and he joins (laughs) them and he ends up making them more money. Oh, that would be interesting. I that thought you were say where you, he was going to cook meth. No, not that, no, 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 no. I mean, actually, kind of like um, in a roundabout way, rehabilitate his father or, or live the life he could have lived if he was just not as big of a huh. egomaniac, yeah, or reactionary idiot. Yeah, I like that. That would be poetic. All right, while we're making shit up, <laughs> uh, what about Huel? When's he get out of that hotel room? He's still there. Still there? Yeah, still there. Um, I think he, he just decides to become manager, <laughs> the manager of the hotel. Yeah. I mean, his chief qualifications uh, are he can sit around, and that's what you're looking for in a hotel manager. Mm-hmm. He needs to sit at that front desk day in and day night, hand out room keys, tell people they're gonna their towels will be ran up to him. I like it. Hand them free toothbrushes. Perfect job. I mean, he doesn't have a job with Saul anymore, so he's got to get a job somewhere, <laughs> and he's already at the hotel. 
Eyebrows. Eyebrows. He triumphantly takes back the car wash after it's sold in a forfeiture sale. He probably does. He he gets it for like twenty five grand. He gets it for pennies on the dollar. Yeah. Yeah, and then he. Uh... No, okay, that's good. I like it. I like it. He he never waxes his eyebrows though, right? He realizes, yeah, fuck my eyebrows. If anything, he gets them bushier. I mean, that's that was a <laughs> fuck man. Fuck my eyebrows. Fuck you. That was a that was a man who's trying to keep up appearances for the public because he had the he was the face of that car. <laughs> so he had been waxing them. Yeah, that's down. the best he could do. <laughs> now, like he's got almost a million dollars in the bank himself. He's got a profitable mm-hmm. business. That that honestly, you know, the whites they they did a lot to that. I mean, oh yeah, it, it's humming. It's yeah. humming along. He's going to take that over, inherit that, um, and yeah, his eyebrows. <laughs> He's going to let himself go, all resulting in massive bushy eyebrows. Massive bushy eyebrows. Okay. Um, each individual eyebrow will look like Kramer's hair. <laughs> uh, so enough of that. People yes. ask us for recommendations after Breaking Bad of stuff that they could try to replace that void. Um, I've got one. Uh, it's on FX. It just concluded its first season, its rookie season. It is The Bridge. The Bridge, huh? So if you like the look and feel of Breaking Bad, if you think you'd be interested in tales of the politics and intrigue along the U.S.-Mexican border, that sounds fascinating. If the cousins uh, from season three and the cartel in general were your favorite Breaking Bad villain, and bonus if you enjoy Jesse's taste in MILFs, I think you will like the bridge. Uh, Damien uh, Bashir as the Juarez detective Marco Ruiz. Uh, Ruiz, God, I can't pronounce this stuff. Is really, really good. I think he's a standout from this. Hmm. It's got Buffalo Bill from uh, playing a playing a good guy. Uh, Buffalo Bill from uh, Silence of the Lambs. Um, oh, okay. Same dude, same voice. He still says like, "You're a good fat person." Um, same dude. It's 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 kind of funny the first couple times you see him, but I really like it. The bad news is Diane Kruger's performance of an autistic woman who's the chief, who's the head detective of the uh, El Paso side of the bridge, is super annoying at first. Then it gets to be mildly distracting, and then about halfway through the season, you kind of get used to it. And you kind of appreciate the dramatic and even sometimes comedic opportunities it presents. Um, the main arc starts off really interesting. Then it gets increasingly silly and jigsaw from Saw and Farfetched until it surprisingly resolved with like three episodes to go. And then I got to say the setup for season two looks much, much better. Um, I'm really excited for season two, see what they can do in a software season. Jim, do you have a recommendation? Yeah, I've got a show. It's on FX. We've talked about it before. It's called Justified. Oh, yeah. Uh, Justified will be coming back this year for season four. Four? Five. 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 Wow. That's been going on a long time. Uh, I kind of discount season one because it's meh. Uh, But this is a show that is simultaneously badass and has kind of this... Swagger. Gritty swagger to it. it. It's a little gritty. It's not as gritty as something like Breaking Bad or or um, The Bridge, like you were talking about. Uh, but it has definite uh, a sense of style to it and swagger, like you said. Um, it can get pretty gritty, though. Carpetbagger took places pretty dark. Dark places. Yeah, he, he went pretty dark. Um, it also has one of our favorite Breaking Bad characters on it, the uh, 
the drug advisor, I, the rehab Jerry Burns. guy, Jerry Burns. Yes, that's his name. Win Duffy. Uh, playing Win Duffy on Justified. And it's also very touching in spots, which is weird. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- there's a very uneasy relationship between Raylan and his father, which plays out in some unexpected ways. Uh, and just, I don't know, really gave me a one-two punch at the end of this last season. And uh, I was floored by it. I was floored by season two. I was mostly floored by season three. And I think it's an excellent show all around. You need to check it out. Yeah, my pitch is you take the share from Deadwood, tone down his level of pissed offness, <laughs> bump up his level of irony and humor, and place him battling an array of colorful drug runners and gangsters from the coal mining hills of eastern kentucky yep that's justified the dialogue's great the action's awesome season two is fucking epic it's right yeah. up there with the best seasons of breaking bad mad Men, anything yep um you know bad side is like you said season one's largely paint by numbers police procedural yes but still, but hang got, in there because seasons two, three, and four are great. And and I honestly think the dialogue and characters in season one make it a, a, a notch above that. So yeah, I mean it's never it's never too procedural for my taste, but right. but it borders on that. Um, another recommendation that I'm currently com- really digging is Boardwalk Empire. So if it has, it, if you take the crazy ass violence of Breaking Bad. Mm-hmm. The lush production values and nudity of Game of Thrones. Okay, I'm in. Yeah. The social commentary, intricate plotting, and characterizations of The Wire. Uh, you blend that together, you got Boardwalk Empire. It's got some of my favorite characters on TV. Jack Houston as the horrifically scarred World War One vet turned hitman Richard Harrow. Michael K. Williams, that you might better known as Omar Little from The Wire. Yeah, yeah. As Chalky White, who's just this badass gangster. Uh, there's these really interesting historical tidbits like the rise of Al Capone, who's played by Stephen Graham, awesomely by Stephen Graham. The entire series is more or less based on the real life goings on of Atlantic City, New York City, Chicago, uh, gangster era during the Prohibition era. And it's just really good. The downside is, you know, I talked about all the strengths of these shows. It's got the slow burn of the wire. A large and confusing cast like Game of Thrones, and though it always delivers explosive moments, you have to sit through sometimes three to five episodes of setup to get there. Gotcha. So you have to have patience for dramatic storytelling for it to work, or you'll never get through season one. I'm not a stranger to patience. I am six seasons into Mad Men. So. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, if you get through season one, season two is amazing, season three is even better, and season four... The one flaw, I think, of season three was it took forever to kind of start going places. Mm-hmm. That has not been a problem this season. It's just amazing. Do you have any uh, another one? I got one more. Yeah, yeah. Um, this one is on Netflix, and it's called House of Cards. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm sure you guys have heard of it. It's been kind of a big deal. One, you know, some of them awards. I think they call them Emmys. I don't know. Uh, Which are bullshit and meaningless, we've discussed. <laughs> yeah. Starring Kevin Spacey, who is just phenomenal in this show. He um, really is. What, what is that? The, what is his wife from? Uh, Princess said, Bride. Princess Bride, okay. <laughs> and, yeah, and, never uh, seen it. And Unbreakable. And Unbreakable, all right. Lots of different things. Uh, she's actually really, really strong. As Robin like Wright. A, like a counterweight to Kevin Spacey. Kind of... Uh, yeah, I'm not going to go into the plot at all, other than to but say have... it is a... It is a political, uh, it is a political strategy uh, show. 
where Kevin Spacey is trying to get his way while navigating the White House and being uh, is he a senator or a congressman? No, he's a Houseman Minority okay. Whip, I believe. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Uh, so he's trying to navigate the waters of these these just political arenas, and it is just fascinating the way he's manipulating people and twisting events to get his way and interestingly enough it's kind of a revenge tale and similar to the ways of breaking bad because in the first episode he gets kind of royally fucked over and the rest of the season is him plotting his revenge and eventual rise and it is fascinating yeah and i love the relationship between him and his his wife yeah Um, and you think it's one thing and then it's another and then it's another again lots of twists and turns yep uh, you've seen the whole season now, right? I have. Yeah, we're going after that hard when it comes back on. Yeah, we in, will be doing a podcast about it. So it, catch up if you haven't. Yeah, in late winter, and it's on free on Netflix. It's really, really awesome. Um, last one is Homeland, which I'm kind of shakily recommending, um, based on the weakness of the first two episodes for season three. At its best, it is. A more expensive-looking, less patriotic, better-acted episode of 24. Mm, that's not selling me on it, man. <laughs> um, it's got jaw-dropping action, wild plot twist, really excellent chemistry between the leads Claire Danes and Damian Lewis, who you probably know from um, his uh, Captain Winters from Band of Brothers. Okay. Um, for all you nerds, it features the companion oh. from Firefly getting naked each and every yeah, season. Yeah, Morena Baccarin. Uh, the bad is Claire Danes is either really good or really bad, depending on your taste and the scene. And at its worst, it's a particularly bad version of 24 with insane character flip-flops and giant plot holes. Mm-hmm. But I think the good mm, outweighs the bad, and hopefully they can figure out a way to write the ship on the season. Because I thought season one was really good. I thought yeah, a lot of season two was really, really good. Um, I just hope they can keep, you know, 24 is the same way. Like the first few seasons was really, really good television Mm -hmm. and they just can't keep that up. And it's not, it's not an accident that it shares resemblance because a lot of the same showrunners from 24 are making this, but you know, again, not any one show is going to completely replace that, uh, breaking bad shaped hole in your heart. But uh, give give a couple of these a, a try. I think you'll like at least one of them. I would recommend Better Call Saul. <laughs> Better Call Saul. <laughs> Whenever it comes out, who knows? We'll have to see about that. We talk a lot yeah. about that in the interview. Speaking of, uh, let's lead off with the interview with Jason okay. from the Nattercast. Uh, again, uh, you can find all this stuff at nattercast.com. I'll have a link to his podcast production and uh, some of his fan sites in our show notes. Friend of the show, interesting guy to talk to. Uh, without further ado, let's get right into that. What do we want to talk about as far as Breaking Bad or, um, you know, kind of getting, getting a little well, collaboration the, here? The one thing I've been thinking about is, like, how I feel about the ending, how we all feel about the ending now that we've had a little time to sit with it, and kind of how I place it in, like, the pantheon of, of sort of good endings, you know, because there was a whole thing around, like, oh, does it let Walter off the hook? Is it, you know, too, like... You know, paper-based, you know, classic Breaking Bad? Did we really want, like, doubling down on Granite State and seeing real suffering? So I have some ideas around that. Okay. Well, shoot. Because uh, that's, you know, it's, it's it's been exactly, well, a little bit longer than a week, and we've all been kind of chewing over it. Uh, how has your feelings changed, or have they changed about the finale? Well, okay, so, like, um, 
so right, my all-time favorite ending is still The Shield. I think oh, the last three episodes fantastic. of The Shield were fantastic. And this is, like, for me, like, up there with that, but doesn't quite reach that level of, of perfection. You know, and I would, and The Shield was very clockwork. It, like, finished, like, perfectly for the character. Uh, he got his comeuppance, but you could still love the ending. If you were Team Vic, you could still love the ending, even though he gets his comeuppance. Uh, it, you know, the way it ended fit the series beautifully. And then I compare it to, like, the other end of the spectrum, like The Sopranos, which was very, you know, this vague ending and what does it mean, and it's kind of, you know, artistic, and it could be unsatisfying for people. Other people kind of liked it. And it's like, did I want Breaking Bad to go more Sopranos, be more more vague or more down or something, or be more more S.H.I.E.L.D.? And I think I'm kind of happy that it went more S.H.I.E.L.D., because as I think about it over the years, the S.H.I.E.L.D. has sat with me better than the Sopranos has. You know, and I kind of feel like ending the story very solidly, like we know what happens, and it, and also ending, ending it on, in classic Breaking Bad form, having it be Walt capering his way through the story, which is why you watch Breaking Bad. It's what you watch Breaking Bad for. Uh, I thought it, 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 I, I thought it was appropriate, you know. Um, yeah, I'm with you. I'm, I'm, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, no. Oh, um, so I, I'm with you. Um, I haven't seen The Sopranos. Uh, certainly, obviously, I haven't seen the ending. I've seen season one. But uh, as far as The Shield goes, that is probably my all-time favorite ending, just for the exact reasons you said. Um, mm-hmm. he, he kind of gets away with stuff, but he also gets his in the end. Um, and I felt like it was kind of like that with Walter White here, too. I mean, yes, he kind of dies, you know, loving what he's doing and in the place that he he really found a home – um, but at the same time, his family is ruined. This this kind of right. secondary goal of his has not been accomplished in any way. As a matter of fact, it's been dramatically destroyed. Uh, right. So so that to me doesn't leave a happy ending for Walt. But at the same time, it it does kind of finish out that story for him. You know. Right. And he also he the most satisfying element in that to me was when he finally admitted that he was doing all this for himself. Yes. And and we had kind of seen, and I think that the previous two episodes were necessary. I think, you know, I think we had to get to the Granite State bottom. I think we had to get to a point where Heisenbergism does not work, right? And then the, and that the realization that he had in the bar wasn't that he has to go machine gun Gretchen and Elliot. The realization is that he could put the moral universe a little bit aright. He can't fix everything, but he can get some of his goals met if he gives up on needing the credit, if he gives up on having to be Heisenberg, right? So he's going to give Gretchen and Elliot all of the credit for being the, 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 the greatest people in Walter Jr.'s life. He's mm-hmm. never going to know that his dad provided this money. They're going to look like heroes. Sure, uh, but, but he does get the credit for the Heisenberg that. portion. For the Heisenberg portion, but Heisenberg would never let Gretchen and Elliot take credit for providing for his family. It, and ultimately... True. He didn't take the job at Gray Matter for that reason. So it's like he, he ends up being, you know, when, when he chooses not to go Gray Matter and to go, you know, meth, right, the whole choice there is I don't want Gretchen and Elliot to get the credit for taking care of me and taking care of my family when I'm sick. Well, that, now that's exactly what's going to happen. So in a way, he's been ultimately undone, but by his own hand and on his own terms. So yeah, you, can be, you can be pro-Walt or anti-Walt and get satisfaction out of that. I, I agree, and I think there's been this conventional wisdom gathering around the fact that, well, 
you know, Vince completely went back on his karmic retribution that really this is the end that Walt kind of wanted. He got everything he needed. And I, I'm with you. I think this was a really good balancing act between uh, making Walt pay for his crimes, making him have to swallow his hubris. In fact, that's the only way he was able to move forward in a positive way. Um, but on the end and give it a little bit of closure to Jesse, but on, at the end, you know, I think a reasonable person is left with a clear impression that he would have been far better off just to take Gretchen and Elliot up on, on, on their deal. Oh, of exactly. Of yeah. And there's yeah. the idea that he was doing this, you know, um, so that to kind of set an example for Walt Jr. Maybe um, the, the reason that he didn't take the Elliot and Gretchen position is because uh, he wanted Walt Jr. to kind of grow up stronger than he was with a little more backbone, you know? Um, and in the end, that's what caused his undoing as well. So he and now Walt Jr. hates the guy, uh, wants nothing to do with him, and will probably grow up nothing like him. Um, even though I guess in a roundabout way, he kind of accomplished that goal, right? Walt Jr. is going to be uh, a little broken, probably, but um, able to cope with <laughs> all sorts of situations. Ten million dollars absorbs a lot of tears, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, on our yeah. uh, on our Facebook site, I did one a meme of uh, RJ Mitty's birthday party. He's got the girls, you know, and it says Gretchen and Elliot Schwartz, greatest godparents ever, you know. <laughs> and, and that's the way it's going to be. I mean, Walt, Walt Jr. is this is like you know he's got his life has been really damaged by this. But do you want to have a damaged life and ten million bucks, or a damaged life and nothing? Yeah, and uh, so yeah, I, either it, way, he wasn't getting out of that scot free. <laughs> yeah. And it's like it's it's like a Shakespearean thing, and Shakespeare Shakespeare always puts everything back together the way it should be, given the damage that was done, right? And it's not always like everything's okay, like Hamlet, you know, everyone's totally destroyed, but the universe is back the way it should be, given that everybody was evil. Uh, and that's kind of what we saw here. This is a Shakespearean kind of a tragic ending, where you know the most good that was was done that could have been done from the rock bottom point. Um, yeah. That, that's the yeah. thing. Every episode that happened kind of cemented the timeline in a way that was not undoable. Not now, I have to. I do agree with uh, your guys' assessment that I've heard that uh, you know there was not enough Jesse really in the whole everything from Tahajali on. Mm-hmm. You know that we that we just have him, you know, chained to this dog track and working for Brock, uh, and we've had one escape attempt, and that led to this tragic you know, conclusion. Um, I think I would have liked to have seen Jesse have a little more power in the end of the story, you know, and not, and not be as, as not as absent as he was. I mean, I think uh, Badger and Skinny Pete had more lines in the final episode than, than Jesse did. Honestly, yeah, honestly, <laughs> I think, I think that's been a problem of the whole back half. I mean, you mentioned Tahajali, but if you go back even further, uh, this, I'm, guessing that this is probably the fewest lines Aaron Paul has had in any Breaking Bad season ever and fewest amount of screen time. I mean, what he, he really made a huge impression with, and with what he had, but he was yeah. not given a whole heck of a lot to work with uh, as far as lines and, and meaty scenes and monologues, nothing like we've seen him in previous seasons. No, it's, it's certainly in this, in this back half. In the front half, when it was Team Knucklehead with Mike oh, certainly Paul, mm-hmm. that, you had plenty of activity then. But, um, no, and I think that part of it is, uh, you know, a little, maybe a little bit of, like, uh, not knowing exactly where the show wanted to land. 
because, I mean, the fundamental relationship of the show is Walt and Jesse. Right. Right. And seeing that just fly apart and he can't get away with it and, you know, and I let Jane die and then not serving it because we're serving so much of the white family. Yeah. Because that felt like a little bit of a myth. It's like, if you're really going to take Walt and Jesse to that point, you know, give them something more. But I do like, if you're going to do that, they did end it the right way, which is just the two guys that gave each other the bro look, you know, at the end. Where it's like, <laughs> right. We're not okay. But you're leaving. It'd be like I, I like your analogy to uh, uh, Pulp Fiction to Marcel yeah. Wallace. You've yeah. lost your LA privileges. You know, that was, <laughs> You've lost your ABQ kind of privileges. It. You lost your ABQ privileges. That question: uh, What what do you make of the uh, kind of runaway meme that's come in the last week of that? I think Emily Nussbaum started, and then it wasn't Adam Carolla. Uh, Norm Macdonald took off on Twitter where basically the final episode was all a dream. The wall had died the previous episode and we are seeing a dying man's fantasy of what he wanted to happen. Yeah. I heard that. Was that the, uh, was that the one to knock talked about that? I forget where, where I, I, I listened to somebody talking about that, that, you know, that feels to me like one of those college professor kind of things where it's like, I, I to me, the Villigan has never been that subtle. He's never been, he's a straightforward storyteller, mm-hmm. you know? And so I think you can interpret it as a dream. It kind of explains why the capers start going well all of a sudden. Because he, you know, I, I feel like Uncle Jack was the weak link in the season. It's like he's way too convenient, way too Bond villain. Like you can get a monologuing too easily. He's smart when it's convenient. He's dumb when it's convenient. And that's the kind of thing that makes it feel irreal, like it could be a dream. Mm-hmm. Um, but why but, would Walt dream of a better but game? But he would not know. Why would he dream the truth about Jesse? It doesn't that's, make any mm-hmm. sense. That is the that's, that's the... that's the critical flaw in that theory. Exactly. I, I think there's lots of critical flaws, but the one like, you know, no, no, no fucking way this can't be is the fact that he would have to know the, you know, truth about Jesse. And unless you're talking right. about his fantasy started three episodes ago... Uh, there's no way that you can make that, you know, The only up. way he can make that leap is if he's not dying in the cabin right before the bar scene, but he sees Gretchen and Elliot, he's awake for that. Because he, he caught the news there that the blue meth was still on the street. Yeah, but, well, but the other he thing would, is... He, he, he would, would infer the truth. But yeah, but I mean, could he infer the exact details of, of Jesse and the fact no. that he was a slave and he, not a partner? Here's I mean, the thing. Jesse... In the final episode, dreams of making the wooden boxes. Walt knows nothing about that. That's true. That's a dream within right. a dream. Oh, my it's God. It's not Inception. Dream, Come on. Yeah, yeah it's Breaking yeah, Badception. Yeah. <laughs> breaking Badception. So, no, it's, it's basically, no, I think we're supposed to take – we're not supposed to infer that it's a dream. Can't, but, I, I'm, you know, I do a lot of this kind of English analysis stuff. I think you can make the – that it's a worthwhile exercise to say, suppose it is a dream. Right. What, mm-hmm. what do you get from that? And because in a way it is a dream. It's our dream. Right. It's we're all it's a hallucination. It's not a real thing. It's a fictional TV show. So it's always going to have fantastic oracle, fantastic oracle elements. And so it, it's always helpful to to examine texts like this from the point of view of perhaps the narrator is unreliable. Perhaps the point of view is a dream. Perhaps it's not real. Even if you can't, even if the theory doesn't hold up, you find some interesting bits in there. Mm-hmm. Like he got really lucky in the, in the whole last run there. So I, I just, I just wish Vince hadn't cut away before the top fell. You know, we wouldn't even have to have this conversation if he'd have just stuck with that a little <laughs> bit longer. Uh, yeah. 
what do you think how so one of the things that come out of this season is kind of the surprise slash shocking announcement that the better call Saul is not bullshit it looks like something that's being greenlit and moved forward what how i'm speechless how do you think that's going to work out so have you, I think I posted this on your site a couple of times. Have you ever seen Beverly Hills Bunts? Beverly Hills what? Beverly Hills Bunts, B-U-N-T-Z. It was the spinoff from Hill Street Blues of the Bunts character, who was kind of the breakout character on that show. He was, he was, he was the, uh, you know, Dennis, he was the sort of like the racist cop guy who ended up, you know, pretty much the same character as NYPD Blue. And right. they made a goofball comedy with him and kind of the Saul, another like Saul private detective character where they go out to Beverly Hills and it's a follow-on show to Hill Street Blues. That's always the risk with this kind of thing. Mm. It lasted for about five minutes. It didn't, it didn't go very far because you're suddenly turning Hill Street Blues into a screwball detective comedy. Um, I, my feeling about Better Call Paul is that uh, it's, unless it's, it, it's going to have to be its own thing. It's going to have to be a Bob Odenkirk vehicle, right? It's a reasonable premise for that. But if they try to be part of the Breaking Bad universe too much, you're just going to notice that Walt and Jesse are missing. Unless Jesse's in it, you know. But uh, it feels like one of those things that feels like it's good on paper. But, you know, like it's like doing a Kramer show off of Seinfeld, where it's all Kramer. <laughs> you know, everybody would love that. It's like he was the, everyone's favorite character. But when you, when you put the entire show on Kramer, uh, he can't really carry it. Yeah, it's and the dynamic of the characters. Is, he doesn't have the dynamic of the characters. He doesn't. He's not playing off the situation. And so, to me, Saul is you know, on Breaking Bad. He's uh, uh, he's the ship's computer, right? He's the guy who exposes the situation at you, offers some solutions, right, and has some capacities. He's not really in the plot. Right. And so, can you take the ship's computer out of Star Trek and make a whole show based on the ship's computer? Only if you really flesh out the details. Like, we need to know more about his personal life. We need to know more about, you know, he, he's, he's really actually a very thin character. Yes. You know, and so it depends on how they're picking him up. You know, uh, it, it could be great or it could fall apart. What we've seen on Breaking Bad, there's not enough to sustain a show based on that. Yeah, I have some small hope based on the really cool stuff that we did see Saul do when he kind of went into lawyer mode. Um, and right. I don't, I don't know if the plan is to make this a comedy or if it's going to be a very serious drama like Breaking Bad was, or you know, some kind of mix of the two. I imagine it's going to be a mix um, yeah. with a character like that. But that's what I'm most interested to see is kind of Saul doing some lawyering. Honestly, but, I think it's best. It's best hope. Uh, it's highest ceiling is Boston Legal, which was itself a spinoff go. show. So right. you yep. imagine, and it doesn't even have to be set in Albuquerque. I think that you know, it, it could be set in another city. And when uh, Better Call Saul is, it's time for it to wrap up. You can have him moving out to the ABQ to set up shop with. Um, but you know, this, this, how this, far back you want to go? Yeah, I mean, you could go back to how did he get his law degree? I mean, we know there's some sketchy details of that just based on the diploma we've seen. <laughs> Um, you know, it's like, is that going to be the first scene that, you know, that he's set up his shop and he's, is he's got his, uh, inflatable statue of Liberty. I mean, how is all that going to work out? But I, I feel like that that's a, a good kind of quirky, um, legal show based around an interesting gifted leading man. And if it, if it could get anywhere near, you know, that solid, it would be, well, yeah. If it's a prequel, here's here's where I would go with it, and just you know, if, if I was writing it, 
if it's going to be a prequel, then it's taking place during the early Bush Homeland Security war on terror years. Mm-hmm. Okay, when the government is going nuts with different kinds of panicky surveillance and all kinds of crazy shit, right? Because Breaking Bad supposedly takes place sometimes 2007 to 2009, somewhere right. in there. Right. So take Saul back five years, you're talking 2002 to 2004. That could be really interesting, is this character trying to shyster his way through a newly panicky country that's attacking the wrong places and not knowing how to handle, you know, terrorism and, like, and, and, and that kind of stuff. Uh, as a kind of historical review, um, make that the setting. That takes it in a different direction. That makes it a different kind of show, you know, because the questions of like who, uh, what, what right the government has to come in and search you and, and hold you and detain you, those were all being challenged in that period in 2003, 2004. And Saul would be the kind of guy who would have, you know, clients who might get caught up in something like that, hmm. you know, especially if he's dealing with cartel people and things like that, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Well, I've heard uh, I've heard rumors that there's that they're going to have uh, you know Gus Fring's character being in the periphery, which yeah. would be I mean that's something I feel like maybe you say for the season finale type stuff that you kind of slowly build onto that, but because uh, again you can't you can't overplay Gus, you can't hit the Gus button too often, or it's going to be it's just going to remind you that it's not Breaking Bad. Right. Right. Um... Yeah, you can't hit it too hard, but you can show. I mean, I gotta believe that the origin of Los Pollos Hermanos and how all that came together is you know, it's got a lot of potential for humor in it. Right. Um, and and we know. Uh, and of this... course, I'd love to see Mike come back. I mean, that'd be great. Exactly, right? yeah. and we know those relationships were there. Pre, uh, you know, those predated Walt. Um, that he had the the relationship some uh, with with Mike, and there's a relationship right. there somewhere with with uh, Gus. So and even Lydia. You know. Yeah. Well, yeah. As I, yeah. As I recall, uh, Jesse is the one who brings Walt to Saul. Right. He says, "We need legal protection. We need to know how to do this." Yes. You know, when they start making money. Yeah. So he's like the guy Jesse on the billboards. Some, right. He's the guy on the billboards. So he, Jesse's had some interaction with him. Saul also represented Badger. Right. right. So we we do have some crossover with Breaking Bad, and I think you know it, 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 it would be interesting to have like you know little guest moments, like you you see like Brian Cranston. Especially Cranston, because you know, being an older guy, he's not—he's not aging as quickly as Aaron Paul is. It's a little bit difficult to sell Aaron Paul now, being like six years younger. Right. You know, it's, it's tough. He's not—he's not 22. He's—he's he's, you know, but uh, like you know, running afoul of of, uh, of 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 Brian Cranston a couple of random times could be kind of funny. Like that. Sure. But ultimately, I think it has to detach itself from Breaking Bad. Agreed. It has to be about something else. You know? Yeah, I mean, how many times in Frazier's lifetime did they ever bring back any of the cast of Cheers, for example? Like once or twice, and it was pretty late. Right. In the season. It's pretty late in the run, too. Frazier is, I think, your example of how to do this. Because yeah. Frazier completely changed this. does not have the premise of Cheers. It's not the same kind of show as Cheers. Right? It's a single... It's on the uh, opposite. Actually, it's on the opposite on the coast op- of Cheers. <laughs> it's the opposite coast of Cheers. It's not. It's not an, an ensemble comedy. It's these basically these two guys are running it. It's driven on this one character. Right. Know? So it that's succeeded. Frazier was in many many times it was better than Cheers. You know. So it, it can. It could work. But Frazier was also on Cheers. He was not a, a thin character. He was a very fleshed out part of that show. He was almost more fleshed out than Sam and Diane. No, you know, I, 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 yeah, I mean, especially compared to 
Saul. I mean, we knew that he had a relationship with his wife. We knew it was contentious. We, you know, we, in fact, I would argue that uh, his wife was his wife, Lydia. Was Saul's wife, Lydia? No, 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 no. Uh, <laughs> Frazier's. Frazier's. It was Lydia, wasn't it? No, no, no. It was you know, the actress? No, no. What was her name? Frazier's ex wife. Oh, what was her name? It wasn't Lydia. Oh, uh, uh, oh I forgot. The brunette. Oh. Yeah, yeah, it was some twerpy, you know, kind of female nerdy name. But I mean, arguably, right. her character was even more fleshed out than Saul Goodman. So, right. So, like, like Saul is like if they tried to do like a, a you know, like a Cliff uh, show based on Cheers. Mm. Cliff the postman. Right? And we follow him around being a postman. Right. Right. Because he's like the only person in his job we know who's not a bartender. Right. Uh, that would have been tough. He's not a character who really supports having his own show. Well, thanks uh, for coming on our show and having this little uh, farewell to Breaking Bad. Uh, thanks Absolutely. for all your co- uh, comments and contributions over the years. Uh, Jason. Oh, hey, thank you guys for the show. You know, it was fantastic. Uh, really thanks. enhanced the experience of watching Breaking Bad. I'll tell you, you know, listening to you guys is what made me want to get into podcasting. You know, hearing what you did is like, I want to do that, you know, because you really, it, both Breaking Bad and Walking Dead and uh, and also Game of Thrones. Uh, just really enhance my enjoyment of them, and I'm hoping I'm doing that for my audience as well. Well, we we are honored to hear all of that. Uh, I'd say that the community built around Breaking Bad has uh, has enhanced everyone's enjoyment of Breaking Bad, and, and you're certainly part of that. Uh, if they want to find uh, yourself and the rest of the Natterborn on the Nattercast, where can they do that, Jason? So um, we're mostly hanging out on Facebook. Uh, if you come to Facebook uh, slash Nattercast, we have a page there, and uh, we also have a group, uh, Facebook slash groups slash Nattercast. If you just search for Nattercast, N-A-T-T-E-R-C-A-S-T, on Facebook, you'll find us there. And everything is also on our webpage, www.nattercast.com. I encourage you to check that out. They have a great show, and they have a really great online community. Um, lots of interaction, lots of irreverent takes, lots of good takes too. Uh, we will post those links on our show notes for this uh, episode as well. Um, Jason, thank you for joining us and uh, helping us say goodbye to an old friend. Yeah, thanks a lot, man. Thank you, sir. Looking forward to watching Dead as well. All right, thanks. Bye. All right, so that was a pretty good conversation. Yeah, I, thanks. I enjoyed talking to Jason. Thanks for doing that for us, Jason. Yeah. Uh, without further ado, let's get right into our interview with the doctor, the good doctor behind. Mad, the website MadrigalElectromotive.com um, kind of was a big mystery for us in season four, continued to be kind of mysterious in season five. Uh, really interesting Facebook feeds to follow. Uh, let's uh, talk, uh, have a little conversation with him right now. Uh, Dr. Goodman. Good evening to you. How are you guys doing? Did you go through a Charles Sunday like I did? Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was weird because I like just watch television as a civilian. I'm like, I'm watching Boardwalk Empire in real time. Uh, and then I run any open threads on Facebook. It was, it's always, it's always weird coming down and just, you know, watching regular TV. Well, we, we turned on Low Sun Rising and uh, so we could ignore it and go back or do our business for two hours. <laughs> Um, so we're recording, um, we're actually recording live. Um, I guess the main curiosity is I've still not figured out exactly who you are and what your relationship is to Breaking Bad officially, uh, the production, if any, are you ready to clue the world into 
the uh, it's just just some background. Yeah, do we need an intro here about what the so. project Let's, is? Yeah, so you're, you you started in season three, the elect or you at least registered the magical electromotive website, correct? Right after, um, it, it, about a week after it appeared on that show, um, I took I looked at a screenshot and go, gee, I wonder if someone bought that website. Uh-huh. <laughs> and no one did. <laughs> So you so you registered it and you kind of just uh, uh, sat on it. Didn't really blow up until season four, where Madrigal featured you know prominently as as Gus's kind of mysterious shadowy backers, right? And about three days before that show aired, I got an email from uh, Melissa Mars. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and uh, she was like, who are you? What's going on here? And I. Had no idea why that came out of the blue, but I chatted with her a while. Um, and when she realized it wasn't anything official, she disappeared. But then Sunday, I didn't realize she got a, a preview copy, and that's why she was hunting around. Oh, I gotcha. So and that's the first clue. I, I I heard I figured out something was going on. <laughs> so for a, it was some some no small matter of debate on our season four podcast about whether it was official and, and there's people looking at the dns records and comparing them to what stuff that sony had registered and amc had registered <laughs> and then you started up uh you know regular blog posts um uh on you know just just kind of following as if the company had an official pr arm and was issuing, you know, press releases in lockstep with the television show. You had a blog uh, from a medical standpoint, um, different facets of like, I, I remember you weighed in on some of the stuff that uh, the medical stuff that Gus uh, uh, had set up in his uh, field tent or his field hospital in Mexico. Um, what, but, but you do have some kind of in with the production because I know your friends with uh, you, uh, your buddy, Steven, uh, Michael, is it Casada? Casada. Uh, Casada, um, who is obviously, you know, a, we know better as Agent Gomez on Breaking Bad. Um, what is your in into the production, if any? Really very minimal. Um, Steve was offering an acting class out in Albuquerque. And when we arrived out here, I ended up taking one of his classes. It was a 10-week class. That's how I, I got to know him. Um, but otherwise, you just sort of, uh, you're in town here. You start learning the locations. You you meet people who do various uh, things. And from that, you become a little bit more uh, informed. Plus, just being, uh, like you guys, just very uh, observant fan of the show. So you are a native of New Mexico. You're actually in the ABQ. Actually, not at all. We, uh, it was pure coincidence we ended up out here. Uh, we're, the, uh, the website started when we were out in Ohio, and we ended up flying out for a vacation. That's where we were one of the early people to do a site uh, tour. And so some of the pictures you see on the website, pure coincidence – we start seeing these little yellow signs with the breaking bad chemistry symbols while we're looking for uh, the location of Los Hermanos and damn, they're filming. So we get, <laughs> so we get pictures on site, um, you know, with the t-shirt, we go visit Wendy's place. We go visit the other locations and all those will go onto the magical website. Right. Uh, this is before this became just a standard thing for people to do is come out to uh 
Albuquerque and do the and do the laps or go and see the uh, what they call the bad tour, where you actually tour all those sites. Uh, so it gave the illusion that we were very into uh, into the production, but it was purely as tourists. <laughs> Interesting, because we, yeah, like Aaron said, we were definitely debating it, and we were like, well, he's got all these pictures of the locations. He's got to have some kind of in. <laughs> and then I felt like some of the pictures, of course, I guess if, if I'm thinking it over, I've, I've seen a lot of pictures of Steve, but I... I you the way you posted some stuff made me feel like that you were like at some of the rap parties even. Mm-hmm. Well, Steve um, is a big promoter of Albuquerque. Uh, his goal is to sort of increase the industry here, uh, bring people into it, uh, promote the local talent, and grow things locally. Mainly so, as all these movies and TV shows comes out, you're not flying people in from L.A., Dallas to do parts. You're not bringing crew in from parts. You have everybody homegrown. Uh, a very honorable uh, goal. Sure. The the one the first time you guys thought uh, that wow this guy's into it, Steve had a uh, event at one of the casinos with the local comedians. And why are we flying comedians in from around the country when we have local talent? So I showed up to that, and he invited Brian Cranston there. And Brian's a very nice guy. I mean, I've met him several times, just in different situations. He's an awesome guy. And what was interesting is uh, is people were crowding around him to get pictures, and I just sort of sat there waiting, and he recognized that. And then when everything cleared, you know, saw me waiting patiently, you know, he he called me on over, you know, hi, how you doing? I had a chance to meet him, meet Steve, get those pictures. And uh, what was interesting, I found out that uh, that's when I found out in the next season that Madrigal was still going to be part of uh, the uh, Breaking Bad universe, and there was going to be a story arc about it. He sort of released that bit of information, so I knew it was worth keeping the website up and going and uh, keep refreshing things. But that that was that picture there. was literally just at a public event. Huh. That's, that's, it's kind of brilliant how you stitch together yeah. all these disparate sources of information to kind of pre- present a pseudo-official uh fan site uh what kind of traffic were you pulling down like on the heyday you know i never got the numbers i know it just shot up like no one's business we were getting emails on a regular basis uh but i never i can't remember what the actual numbers were several thousand hits a day that's nice uh so were people emailing you wondering kind of what what we're asking you like uh your affiliations with the show and like and what is this project um is that the kind of emails you were getting yeah, what's going on? You got some crystals for sale. You have any jobs? Just the, uh-huh. you know, whatever someone would would want to email. Uh, and then it was just a matter of trying to keep ahead of the show, which became ridiculously impossible. You just ran out of time because you couldn't see the show and then get things updated rapidly enough because the turns were just so quick. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was interesting is I had a whole. Uh, procedure manual that I was going to publish on essentially Barry Goodman's uh, was going to have a jump service where if there was some emergency situ- medical situation that we'd have a team by planes that can dive in and uh, and rescue you out of this situation, you, you know, illicit situations, of course. <laughs> and I never, and it was almost ready to go, but it just wasn't clean enough. And the very next episode, they had that little hospital in Mexico. And I'm like, damn, I wish I went live with that. <laughs> but oh, they took yeah. It one, 
But, you know, I, I didn't think of having a, something already pre-set up. I figured you had to go into the location. They took it one step further, which was just awesome to watch. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, you could kind of tie that in and say maybe Gus had used this service to yeah, set it up. Yeah, you know? they'd, they'd parachute it in the doc, you know, Doctors Without Borders style and set it all up. And <laughs> that's pretty cool. Do you um, what? So you're you're still running this thing. In fact, I noticed you just put out a press release today that uh, Madrigal Electromotive had acquired the remaining assets of Gray Matter or something along those lines. <laughs> Um, where do you kind of see this going from, from here? Is it going to be just like a permanent, uh, um, you know, kind of thing for fans to continue to discover, uh, as they're checking stuff out or how is it going to be as a memorial site for breaking bad? Are you going to continue to develop the mythos? Originally we were just going to freeze it, but there was, uh, so my last sort of thing is I put up the Lydia and that, and people just went ape shit over that. Yeah. I saw that she got replaced. (laughs) Uh, yeah, well, that was a little subtle. People didn't quite uh, get the depth of that one. You had to be a real super fan to understand about the Burgermatic, the fact it was shown on the Magical Show, the fact Barry, Drew Barrymore was a character in that. Didn't get the response. You had to really be intimately involved with the show and the history to know about that one. But just the picture of Lydia having uh, passed away, uh, people went ape on that. And I got a lot of response. Hey, keep this up. You know, this is our this is uh, our only way. We are still keeping fresh with the show. Right. So we'll have to figure out what, what we're going to do. We have that, and we have the Vomino site. Oh, you have and, that as well. Hey, might as well. As soon as it showed, <laughs> but you're on top we, of that. Uh, we pop that one together, and uh, you know, Vominos will have a few things going on. It has to hire some new employees, so we'll have to write about them. Right. <laughs> uh, I don't know where the magical is going to go, and you and pretty soon you just run out of material, or you just start having to make things up that aren't even attached. So I don't know how much further we're going to be able to to uh, take that. But I think from time to time we could do a posting. We find something interesting on the internet that would relate back to the show. We can post that and just sort of uh, keep people attached between Breaking Bad and the real world, which was sort of the goal of the magical side. Uh, the magical. Uh, uh, Facebook page. You see a lot of articles, uh, you know, people running meth labs out of uh, Walmarts or uh, teachers going crazy in class, things like that. That that would sort of fit back to the show. We would pop that on the Madrigal site. Uh, the Vomino site was sort of designed more of an electroshave type thing where we would have little, little uh, poems and such about killing bugs and act more like we were a real uh, company on the uh, Valmino site. Right. Do so, you have any any plans to tie this into the Better Call Saul spinoff series that uh, they're, they've been talking about? We could. Uh, you know, it's very hard to predict what that show will look like. My, my guess is I think they're going to go back to the model of, of the X-Files, where it's going to be a where Saul's going to be in this universe that will allow them to tell other people's stories. Uh-huh. You know, people will come to him telling stories or uh, he will somehow get involved with them. But I, I have a feeling it'd be more of an anthology show uh, than one single story like the Breaking Bad story was. It's, it's the only thing that sort of makes sense with the Saul character. Yeah, sure. I, I, I think you're right. Um, one rumor that I have heard is that maybe Gus Fring is going to be involved in that. So, I mean, if you were to do something with it, there could be a tie back to Madrigal even. So might be interesting. And then we, 
and then we just have to create a back history. Um, mm-hmm. you know, we uh, figured that uh, Mandrigal is actually founded, one of the fa- early founders or workers was a guy named was, you know, uh, Werner von Heisenberg. <laughs> was one of the founders of Magical. If you look, if buried into the website, we toss that in. Nice. Uh, so, so yeah, you can you can go recreate history uh, by just releasing press releases. This is to celebrate the 30th anniversary of uh, however you want to do it, and 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 it sort of uh, lets people become more attached to the show. But but what what style is going to look like? Who knows? Whether it's going to be filmed out here? Who knows? It's it's all wait and see. Yeah, well, the stuff you've you've done with Magical Electromotive has been very clever, in my opinion, and I've really enjoyed it. So, and, and if you guys go back to your email boxes, I couldn't find it. Uh, I sent an email of the lone the lone gunman, but in, and I replaced it with Huel, uh, Kobe, and Saul. Right. Uh, that was about three seasons ago when they first introduced these characters. I go, here we go, another uh, Vince Gilligan spinoff. So who knows? That might have been a a a good pr- uh, prediction <laughs> of where the show might be going. Hopefully, it has more success than the Lone Gunman did. I was going to say, if he's going to pattern something for success, I I would have picked a slightly different pattern. But that does seem like. Uh... I don't know. It's a goofy idea. I could see it working as kind of a, a much darker version of Boston Legal, where it's just <laughs> driven by a bunch of kooky uh, personalities with weird cases, and it's kind of funny, and it's kind of fun, and all that stuff. Um, a little bit more um, like personal detail, because you've, you've put, had a lot of posts revolving around medical issues, Um you know, I, you mentioned, I think, in one email to us that you are an actual doctor. Just to make – is that actual true or is that another layer of the uh, subterfuge? <laughs> or is that something from your real-life background you use to make the madrigal stuff more interesting? Well, if you could imagine, the concept of Barry Goodman um, is actually based on a very dishonest osteopath out in Ohio who, who oh. lost his license about a year ago. And, and the concept was – he would be to medicine what Saul is to law. <laughs> oh boy, he has a doctor. He has a doctor of medicine degree from America Samo- Samoan uh, <laughs> uh, uh, medical college. Is that medical uh, school? Pretty, pretty much. If, if you go into some of the back the story of of running a boutique a shop, uh, and to fit him in the magical world, we figured, uh, as as one of his cover jobs. Uh, He's sort of a division manager of real estate and investments out in Southwest uh, U.S. as part as working for Magical, this this company that we didn't at the time we had no idea really exactly what it was. So we figured, what the heck? Uh, he works for them also, and his clinic belongs to the Magical Universe, as does Saul Goodman's uh, law office. That was one of the original concept of the Barry Goodman character. That's hilarious. So there is actually. No, there, there is no bit of honest truth in any of the magical electromotive dot com <laughs> dealings. That's kind I love of it. yeah, I, I like that a lot. It it it, it does fit the show like a glove. <laughs> yeah, and, and you have to think what got what got me personally into Breaking Bad. Uh, well, one was I I lived in a house with a big basement. I don't know how many times I sat there going, <laughs> you know. Little hydroponics put it through here, and right. who knows? And I came into the same problem that Walter White did. You can produce the stuff, but ultimately have to interface with the real world. 
Right. Mm-hmm. And that's where all hell would break loose. That right. was your weak point there. Um, so I always had that bit of evil in me. Plus, uh, in the business of medicine, just like uh, the character Barry Goodman was based on, uh, turning a little evil could be highly profitable. Uh, become a, a, this particular fellow, uh, he was based on, uh, basically worked at a pain clinic in southern Ohio, not too far from where uh, Aaron's currently living. And he was writing 200 uh, prescriptions a day for patients. No, excuse me, uh, $200 a day for about 70 patients a day, ungodly amounts of narcotics, Valium-type medications, uh, making about $7,000 a day, ca- hard cash. Wow, now it's starting to sound like a justified crossover. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, now, <laughs> that was a season yeah. three plot right there. Yeah, and then and, and the thing about him, he, had the, he didn't have Sal. He didn't get a. He didn't lose his license because he was practicing bad medicine. But he was making seven thousand dollars in cash and had no idea how to launder it properly. So he essentially got convicted of money laundering because mm-hmm. he was going around the banks depositing that nine thousand dollars and triggered enough alarms right. that that's what he got busted for. And so based on that felony count, that's why he lost his license. So by Breaking bad in the medical world, you could become quite, uh, make quite a bit of money also. So that, that was sort of the character of Barry Goodman, uh, a, a physician who broke bad. So are you, are you going to come clean with your real identity, or is it going to remain a mystery even past tonight? You know, the good hackers have figured it out. Oh, have they? Well, that's uh, why that's my problem. I'm not a yeah. good hacker. <laughs> I, I've had guys; they've got it down to me and my you know name, email, and occupation uh, without difficulties there. So, uh, you know, I, I use the Barry Goodman. Uh, he's actually become sort of my web, uh, my Facebook presence because the type of environment I work in, uh, you just don't want uh, patients looking you up on the on the internet and finding anything out about you. So it's it's nice to have uh, this uh, cover character, and he's turned out to be my Facebook presence among the Albuquerque acting community and the uh, production community out here. Um, and people who uh, some some people are still not sure wh- who I really am, but they say hi to me anyhow, and and they actually will know me as Barry. And some people know who I really am. So um, so that's uh, so we sort of keep that uh, separation there. All right, but well. you now. We'll leave it for a but, fun uh, mystery for the listeners, then I guess. Yeah, but you know, no, I'm sitting here actually in the on-call room, starting a shift in about 18 minutes at one of the downtown hospitals. Oh, <laughs> okay. Would you like to give the fans uh, URLs to your website and your Facebook fans uh, pages if they want to keep up on the expanded Breaking Bad mythos of elect- Madrigal Electromotive? Well, you have MadrigalElectromotive.com. I've had a little trouble updating it because both computers that it rested on crashed and burned on the drive out to uh, Albuquerque. I think uh, there were some bad roads in Texas. I think that's where the uh, disk drives got uh, crashed. Uh But uh, we also have the – if you go to Facebook and just look up Vominos, Pest Control, or Madrigal Electromotive, we'll pop up as the first, first choice. And we're glad for anyone adding comments and adding ideas to it because that's what it's for. It's much more intera- It was much more interactive than the than the website itself. Right. Yeah, on. I and, I really look forward to seeing where that's going. Honestly. And again, and uh, 
you know, you've talked about me, but I appreciate all the work you guys have been doing. It adds a dimension to the show, uh, watching it and then having a chance to listen to your guys' interpretation. You guys have a great eye, great memory, uh, great database of other shows and how the plots inter- intermix. And it's, it's always been great to listen to your guys' takes. Uh, the next uh, on the podcast, especially when I'm walking the dogs up in the mountains there, I could listen in and and just get another view of the show, which really helps the overall enjoyment. I think I think Breaking Bad has created a, a huge bang for your buck of, of how much entertainment value they've created uh, between their own podcasts, between their web stories, uh, the, their how it's made and all the things AMC brought to this uh, this production. I, I, I think it's. Uh, really made it worthwhile to become a, a fan of it. They really try to reward you every which way. Yeah, absolutely. And I appreciate, you know, uh, your thoughts there. And it's, it's been great interacting with fans throughout the, the final two seasons here. Um, and we've, we both kind of have these communities. You said you have your Facebook page where you interact with people. And that's been probably one of the biggest benefits of doing this podcast for me is just getting to hear all these different kind of theories and speculation on what's going to happen, uh, things that I miss in the show. Because like you said, I mean, even if we watch the show all the time and we have good memories or whatever, we can't pick up everything. So getting the fans interacting with us uh, has been a huge benefit to my to my in- enjoyment of the show. Yeah, it certainly kicked my enjoyment of the show in overdrive. And, you know, it's made an already special show just unbelievable for us. So. Well, I think that's it. Uh, I hear your hail from Ohio, so if you ever give them back this way, drop us a line. We'll have to get a beer. Uh, well, we're going that... to be, be seeing you. Uh, we'll be seeing you uh, be out there next week doing some military time at Wright Pat. So we'll oh, try awesome. to get on down. And um, if you guys want another, the other link to the show, if, if you watch the first uh, episode of this season in, in the car wash, you see that Mustang going through. Mm-hmm. Uh, before it came to New Mexico, it had Breaking Bad license plates out in Ohio. <laughs> oh, wow, that's and cool. And you'll see that on on the Facebook page. That's actually the same the same car. They they loved me more than they loved the car more than they loved me. <laughs> <laughs> but I still had but I still had a chance. When you're called in, just say, "Oh, you're just going to drive your car in there." And the next thing you know, hi, I'm Brian Cranston. You're going to be standing here, and uh, hi, I'm Anna, and you're going to be talking to. Uh, you know, we're, we're going to be doing this stuff, and you're just sitting there going. Uh, I can't believe suddenly I'm here. Uh, that, that's another link to the website. So oh, that's did, cool. Did you get a, a SAG credit for that or just a car? <laughs> now, these are all – they chew up a ton of background people. Oh, yeah. So, so to get a SAG, you actually have to interface to a high degree or, or have, have a line uh, to get the SAG <laughs> credit for this. Otherwise, you're just pure background and you, you better not speak. Even mustache guy – uh, is still is still just background. Now he's one of the local the local talent uh, that is being developed. Correct. He uh, he's a, a retired firefighter, which gives him spare time. And he is, I believe the story was he was golfing with Casada. He was friends with him and with Dean Norris, and basically said, "Hey, can I? Hey, you guys got a job for me?" And Dean apparently called someone. Next thing you know, he's in the DEA bullpen, and he did that, I think, since uh, the first season. Just to be clear, Mustache Man is uh, ASAC Merker, right? No, no, no. He's the. Remember, we talked about the guy with the truly amazing mustache. 
Oh, in the car outside of Andrea's house? No, no, no. That's that's there are the so uncle, many mustache men. That's, that's in one the show. of the, that's the uncle's anarchy. The guy yeah. that was in the DEA office. <laughs> yeah, if, if you remember when they had, I believe they had Crazy Eight up on the screen, and he uh, gave him the Italian salute. Mm-hmm. That you know, in one of the early seasons, and he was through all the seasons in the bullpen, right. and just in this last season, he really got picked up as Mustache Man. Yeah, yeah. no, I remember, okay. I remember him. A mustache like that cannot be denied, so it does not surprise <laughs> me that uh, he got on air. But but he tells the story. He he was supposed to just congratulate Hank, I guess, after one of the promotions, and he made the mistake of saying congratulations. And that, oh. and they go, no, we can't use that. You know, don't talk, don't do, don't do that again. And what happened is they actually used that shot and they put another actor's voice in, so they wouldn't have to pay him the sag rates. <laughs> Weird. Yeah, because extras aren't literally aren't allowed to speak on film, right? You can speak in a group. In a so group. Like, okay. Yeah, there are certain numbers. I can't remember if it was eight or ten. Where if you all like. Yeah, there's there's crazy. We're gonna get them, and they're all making comments as a group. Right. Huh. That's allowed. But if it's an individual comment or two or three people, uh, then you have to be sagged to do that. That's so weird. Interesting. Ah, the rules. The rules of acting, huh? <laughs> uh, union, yeah, union rules. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, but the advantage in New Mexico is it's a right to work state, so you can work as a SAG actor on Wednesday. And then go back to doing background on Thursday. So you can keep involved, even though there might only be one part that you can play as a regular actor, because then you've done it and you've burnt it out. You can still come back as background and be on set and still interface with folks and still a lot of these people, that's their money to uh, they need day to day to doing that work. So uh, that allows them to continue to make money when they're not uh, a main character. All right, well, uh, look forward to uh, keeping up with the Madrigal uh, over the its uh, its ongoing future. Look forward to seeing you hopefully next week. Uh, Dr. Goodman, uh, thank you very much for your time. Thanks for making Breaking Bad uh, a better experience for all of us fans. And, and the same to you guys, too. Just awesome work you guys do. Just absolutely awesome. I always look forward to listening in. Thanks, Thanks. very much. We appreciate it. We will see you, we'll see you later. So now we know the secrets. We know all of Dr. Barry Goodman's secrets. We know less than half of his secrets. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, we, we learned a good deal about that site and its relationship to the show. Uh, I feel like that was a worthwhile interview to have just because it put my mind at ease. Yeah. And uh, as again, far as – because this has been spinning around my head for a good two seasons now, and it's been driving me mad. Dr. Barry Goodman. It's been it's been a huge, interesting community sprung up around Breaking Bad. The Reddit sub the subreddit yeah. uh, has been amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had uh, a fellow fan, Shane Bowman, uh, start a really awesome Tumblr uh, that was really indispensable this season. Uh, you know, had the uh, J- I think it was Jr. Didn't doing Tucker's Hole. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think of all on the Nattercast, all these sites that uh, kind of sprung up around Breaking Bad, and I feel like they all collectively added to my enjoyment of the show. Oh, absolutely. So, and and uh, all you people listening to as well. Um, we'll have all your feedback uh, on a Thursday night edition, our final uh, new cast or new material cast for, for Breaking Bad. Uh, look forward to uh, closing it out with style on that. In the meantime, last chance uh, to back our Walking Dead Kickstarter, twdkickstarter.baldmove.com. 
please check out the the video that Jim put together. It's really funny. If you like The Walking Dead, if you like our podcast, uh, we've got a lot of fun uh, backer goals. We've got a lot of fun reward levels. Um, check it out. Uh, TWD kickstarter.ballmove.com check out all of our fine uh products all of our fine podcasts rather <laughs> uh, ballmove.com well what is this <laughs> this is a, what is this some kind of pitch yeah come on get out of here with that product shit <laughs> you can speaking of products you can you buy consumers need to eat our products you can consume you can <sighs> consume mass consume quantities at uh, amazon.ballmove.com <laughs> Uh, check out uh, for all your shopping needs there. We get a little bit of a kickback when you use that link, and it helps us uh, keep the lights on around here. Also, um, leave us uh, uh, reviews in our iTunes feed, and not just for Breaking Good. Uh, check out everything else that Bald Move does. I know that our sister casts, uh, like the Because Show and Personal Arrogance and Up Yours Downstairs, could use the love too. Uh, that does such a good. That's such an amazing thing for traffic when you guys yeah, keep us uh, keep us pumped up in the what's what's hot section at iTunes. It's amazing. Wouldn't it be awesome to surprise like the personal arrogance and the because show with fifty new reviews next week? Just drop it on them. Just Bam. drop it. Bam! You guys can make it happen. Yeah, that would be awesome. You guys should do that. Um, also, tell a friend. Um, it's a, it's speaking of amazing. It's amazing how many people have discovered our show through friends and family members and mm-hmm. coworkers. So uh, please help us spread the love. Send them to baldmove.com. We'd be happy to have them. Uh, if you have any last-minute takes, we've got a ton of feedback. But if you've got a really, really strong, unique one, go. you still got time. Send it at breakinggood at baldmove.com. And I think that's a cast. That is a cast. I wish I could uh, say until next week. I'll see you guys. But there's only one left, and there's no more episodes left. So... Uh, we'll, we'll do our weepy goodbyes next time. I think. Yeah. On the, the, <laughs> the feedback. The cast. really final. No shit. This is it. This yeah. Is the like end. we're never talking about breaking that again. Felina, no more. <laughs> All right. Thanks guys. And we'll see you on uh, Thursday. All right. Bye.